So I work in campus ministry, and one of the things that I get to do is supervise InterVarsity's work at UConn down in Connecticut. Now, the student leaders in that fellowship there meet each week, and sometimes they go out around campus and to do spiritual surveys in the hopes of sharing the gospel with students that they come across, sometimes strangers, sometimes um, friends that they know. Last year, there was a student named Aaron who was very reluctant to do this spiritual surveying. And often he skipped the meetings when he knew that the witnessing would happen. And he didn't just speak with his actions, but he often said things like, God would never use me to help lead someone to Jesus. He heard the word witness and almost literally ran the other way. So I'm curious this morning, what comes to mind for you when you hear the word witness? Whatever it is, I would venture to say that all of you are here in this sanctuary today because someone along the line of your life was a witness to who Jesus is to you. Probably most of us, I mean, it's possible that you might be one of the few people that was walking down the street one day, saw a church, and walked in. But that doesn't happen that often. Most of us here are here because someone was a witness to us. Maybe it was a parent, a Sunday school teacher, a friend, a coworker that witnessed to you in a way that you're here today. And maybe you're here um, as a follower of Jesus, and maybe you're still checking him out and learning, but someone has witnessed to you. For me, my parents brought me to church as early as I can remember, and weekly growing up, I learned in kids' church about who Jesus is. For my husband, Paul, one of the first witnesses in his life was his friend Adam in college, who talked to him about Jesus. Who was it for you? Who practiced the holy habit of witness and helped change your life and is why you're here today? So again, we're continuing on in our holy habit series this weekend here at The Journey. Up on the screen, you'll see our theme verse for this series from Colossians chapter 1. Let me read it to us this morning. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. So far in this series on holy habits, we have looked at scripture, worship, prayer, and community. We've looked at these as holy habits to develop in our lives as followers of Jesus, to live a life worthy of the Lord, as it says in the scripture. Now, these habits, as we've been talking about, are not things that we need to check off of a list in order to prove that we are Christians or anything like that. But developing these holy habits sets us up to encounter the Lord, bringing us deeper and deeper into intimacy and relationship with him. So this weekend, we are looking at the holy habit of witness. So again, so far, we've looked at scripture, worship, prayer, and community. So 
I venture to say that perhaps witness feels a bit different than those, and that's because we're continuing to edge out of ourselves and our kind of our personal relationship with God. And we have seen this, though, with all of these habits that we've talked about so far, as we've talked about reading scripture together um, with friends in life groups, worshiping together in community, praying together with one another, and just being and doing life together in community. So our holy habits, all of these holy habits, are meant um, not just for our personal growth or relationship with the Lord, but also for us to be missional. They aren't just about us at all. And witness, as a holy habit, edges us even more outside of ourselves and our Christian circles. So what is holy hab- um, witness as a holy habit? Now the simple definition of witness I looked it up online, I googled it, I don't even know if, you can, if there are dictionaries anymore, but I looked up witness, and a witness is one who sees an event take place and gives testimony to it, often in a court of law. That's the simple definition. Then author and Christian spiritual director Adele Calhoun gives a great definition of witness as a spiritual discipline or holy habit. As a holy habit, she says, witness is modeling and telling of the difference Jesus has made in one's life. Again, witness is modeling and telling of the difference Jesus has made in one's life. Pretty simple. Now, if you remember back to the introductory sermon in this holy habit series, Pastor Tom brought us to Mark chapter 1. You'll see it on the slide. Mark 1.17 says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, just to say, Jesus said this to men who were fishermen. He was calling them to follow him and become fishers of men instead of just fish. So, just to say, this does not leave us women out. There was a play on words that Jesus was using, fisher, men, fish for men. But just to say, Jesus invited women to be followers and fishers of people too. Just want to be clear. But Jesus calls us to followership. The kingdom of God has come, and we can be a part of it. Not just in the hereafter, but now. So Jesus' idea of followership, like he says here in Mark 1, is so much bigger than just a personal relationship with the Lord. Jesus wasn't looking for fans of him, but he was looking for followers of him. In the calling of these first disciples, Jesus actually calls them into his mission, not just into relationship with him. So this is one of the first things that Jesus says to his disciples, and now I want to take a quick look at one of the last things he says during his time on earth. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now here Jesus is commissioning or sending his disciples into the world to be witnesses of what Jesus has said and done on earth. Now if you've been around church for a while, you probably know this scripture. Um, It's often called the Great Commission. And if you've been around church for a while, you know that witness is supposed to be part of our lives of followers of Jesus. 
But I just want to acknowledge that we often hesitate, myself included, from developing and practicing witness as a holy habit in our lives. Even though we know it's key to what it means to follow Jesus. It was part of the first and last things that he said. So why? Why do we hesitate from witness? Now, also just to acknowledge that some of us don't hesitate from witness. Some of you are amazing witnesses, just naturally, no matter where you go, you talk about Jesus and what he's doing in your life. And that's great. Um, So if you are one of those people um, who can't help talk about Jesus, fantastic. But please do keep listening because you can help the rest of us who need a little Um, So why do we hesitate from witness? Let me tell. Let me just tell us a few reasons, I think. First, why do we hesitate is because of our culture. It is against the prevailing worldview of today to be a witness. Now, I would venture to say that no one who's not a Christian minds if you read the Bible, if you study scripture, if you pray, or if you worship, or if you're in community with other people. I don't think people mind that that much. Our culture says it's okay for you to believe in Jesus, but it also says, but you should not tell other people to believe that. People are offended by the claim of absolute truth today. So I want to name that, honestly, as a barrier to being a witness for us. It's real. The surrounding culture may support you, and I think it does, in your own spiritual journey. But it also says, just don't tell me about to believe what you do. But just to say, that's actually a worldview that's being witnessed to as well. Pastor and author Tim Keller says, when someone says, it's okay to believe in Jesus, but don't convert anyone, They're really saying, don't believe in Jesus. He can't be the unique God that broke into history and changed everything. But if Jesus Christ is who he says he is, his birth and death is momentous, life-altering, world-altering news that must be responded to. So then Tim Keller goes on to not take the news out to every creature is the most wicked thing to do. That's what it is to know Jesus as God and that his coming is good news, but not to share it. So this is a real dilemma that we're in for those of us who are followers of Jesus. The culture says not to do it, but Jesus says, yes, share about who I am. So when you feel this angst about being a witness in a society that does not want witnesses for Jesus, just remember that that's real, and it's, it's, you're always probably going to feel that. But also realize that everyone is actually proselytizing for their view of the universe. If someone says, don't tell me what to believe, they're actually telling you what to believe or what not to believe. So don't let the culture stop you from being a witness. And you know, friends, we can do it kindly and gently, but know that everyone is being a witness to their own worldview, whether they know it or not. So first, again, our culture is part of the reason why we hesitate from witness. Now second, somewhat related to living in the culture that we do today, we often don't practice the holy habit of witness because of our fear of rejection. I think we lament the the potential that being a witness could possibly change our relationship with the person. But isn't that, I mean, I think about that, I feel that too, but then I realize that might actually be self-centered. For me to be privy to the greatest news of all of history and not share it 
because of a fear of looking bad or being rejected. That's actually pretty self-centered and thinking of my own importance, of us thinking of our own importance a little too much. Am I and my reputation more important than someone else hearing about Jesus? So then we end up back to potentially doing the most wicked thing that we could do, which is to know Jesus and not share the news. Another reason that I think we can hesitate from witness is because we, we think we don't know what to say or how to say it. Sometimes we see someone else who shares the gospel. I do this myself. And we think, I think, dang, I can't express it like that person does. Or maybe we say, well, witness is for those professional Christians, those pastors, those ministers, those missionaries. But we know that witness and mission is not just for pastors and ministers and professional Christians. Tim Keller also says, every disciple is given a mission and a message to share. Every follower of Jesus is called to be a witness. Now, the great thing is, you don't have to be a witness like the person next to you. God gives you a message and a story with Jesus to tell. And he'll help you tell it. Jesus wants to use your gifts, your skills, your abilities, your personality in your witness. It doesn't have to be like someone else's. He's made you unique. And your witness will probably be unique. But all as to say, maybe you really do have no idea what you would say. So I just want to acknowledge that too. But the good news is, we can learn that. Just ask someone here. Um, But I think more likely we need to hear that it's actually a myth and a lie that you don't know what to say. You have a story to tell. What has God done in your life recently? What is he teaching you? How has he been meeting you? You can share that. You can say to a friend when you're in a conversation about the weekend, maybe at your job, how was, how was your weekend? Well, actually, you know, I had, I had an okay weekend. The highlight for me was actually going to church. I go to church, and I went into church feeling kind of heavy, but then I really loved the people there, and one of my friends, I was really able just to share um, things that had been going on in my life, and she prayed for me, and I left actually feeling a lot lighter than when I went in. That's a story to share and something to witness to. Another reason that we hesitate from witness, this fourth one on the, on the slide, is that witnessing, maybe witnessing hasn't gone well in the past, or maybe you have a friend who's been hurt by Christians in the past. Now, these are actually two completely different points, but slides were due on Thursday, and that's what I had written down at that point. So um, I just want to acknowledge, though, that both of these are very real. Um, maybe witness hasn't gone well for you in the past. Remember Aaron, the student I told you about in the beginning? Last year he said, I hate to say it, but I dread Yukon's evangelism nights because of one of my biggest fears is looking like a fool. He'd had experiences in the past where it hadn't gone well sharing his faith, and he was scared, and he didn't want to do it again. In his book, Get the Word Out, Pastor um, John Teeter writes about this by talking about Red Sox great Ted Williams, who was considered one of the greatest baseball hitters in all time, with, and he had a 400 average one year. 
Teeter writes, the fact that 400 is the most celebrated feat for a hitter should tell us something about baseball. The game's best hitter in the most outstanding year of his career failed to hit safely six times out of 10. That's what a 400 average is. That means he walked back to the dugout, failing to reach base safely more than he got a hit. Yet I imagine Ted Williams held his head high when he went back to the bench. He had learned experientially that baseball is a difficult game. He didn't expect to reach base every at-bat. In the same way, living as Jesus' witness in this world requires proper perspective. We will make many mistakes. It may take years and years of labor before we become an effective witness. That was the case for me. I believe I've experienced growth as a witness because of the simple fact that I never gave up. I always walked the proverbial dugout with my head held high, knowing that making an out is part of the witness experience. I have made many outs, but I have never given up. You know, it's okay if witness has not gone well for you in the past. We can try again. I remember one of the first times that I asked someone if they wanted to be a Christian. We were at a retreat in college, and I'd had a number of conversations with my friend Julia about faith, her experience, things like that. So we were at the retreat, and I'm sitting next to Julia, and we're having a worship time, and she's sitting next to me, just crying. And I felt my heart beat, begin to beat out of my chest, like, maybe this could be the time. Felt like the Lord was prompting me to say something. So I finally gathered up my courage, and I leaned over to Julia, and I said, Julia, do you want to become a Christian tonight? She turned, and she looked at me, tears streaming down her face, and she said, you don't think that I am? And she ran out of the room crying. Well, that's, that's not how I was hoping that would go. I sat there with an empty chair next to me, reminding me of what had just happened, and I just felt terrible. I was trying to remember, I was like, what happened? We've had these conversations. I think she told me that she wouldn't consider herself a Christian. What just happened? But I just, I felt terrible. And this, this doesn't always happen. But years later, I got a Facebook message from Julia that said, Liz, I wanted to let you know that I have recently accepted Jesus and become a Christian and been baptized. Thanks for putting up with me all those years ago. And she went on to describe what had been happening to her. That moment at that retreat was, was and is still not my favorite moment to remember. I can think now of so many other things that would have been better to say that maybe wouldn't have caused her to run out of the room. But there were many other conversations after that that Julia had with me and then with others throughout years of her life that helped her grow closer to Jesus. So it's real that it hasn't always gone well in the past. And it's real that people have been hurt by Christians and their witness in the past. 
People have been hurt. Maybe you today have been hurt by Christians in the past in the name of witness, and I want to apologize for that. There are bad motivations that people have used to proclaim Jesus. And we should not offend people or be mean as we share the gospel or degrade anyone's humanity. If you want to be a witness because you want to create your own following or because you want to be great or because you want to prove that you're right in some way, none of those are the right motivations or good motivations. But if your motivation to love, um, to be a witness is because you love Jesus and you love people, and it just it becomes something that is an outflow from your heart. And Jesus will help you do it. And the fact that you have friends that have been hurt by Christians in the past is all the more reason to be a witness of the real Jesus to them now. So you may have another reason why you hesitate from witness than the four or five that I mentioned, but my hope is that you're seeing that whatever your hesitation, these things are able to be overcome, even as real as they are. They're not fake things. They're real barriers. But Jesus calls us into intimacy with him so that he can send us out to radically care for others and share the message of Jesus with them. So in some ways, there's actually, except for all these things that, we, that weigh us down, there's no excuse for not being a witness as a follower of Jesus because that's what it means to be a disciple. Again, the invitation to follow Jesus is to live for others and not just for ourselves. And I hope you know I'm speaking to myself with everything that I'm saying. Now, I want to look at some more scripture. Um, I want to look at Luke's testimony of the Great Commission, of the Matthew passage that we saw. Now, Luke wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. So it's helpful to see these two books together and follow the arc of Luke's narrative through them both. So first from Luke 24. Then Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then a little later in Acts 1, the next book, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what do we see here? There's a few observations that I want to make from these two scriptures. First, just to say witness is something that God is already doing. In Luke 24 and 47 and 48, we see the phrases, repentance will be preached and you are witnesses. In Greek, these phrases are in the passive voice, which means that he's actually, this isn't a command. It's not a command. The church isn't being commanded here. Instead, the actor, the subject here is God. God is fulfilling what he has promised, the redemption of the world that he promised in the Old Testament. And so for us, we witness to what God is already doing in the world. It's not a task that we are doing, but we are bringing the gospel in participation with what God is already doing. Evangelist and author Rebecca Manley Pippert says, our communication of the gospel depends not on human strategies, 
or well-polished techniques, or even brilliantly reasoned arguments. Thank goodness. But on divine initiative, it is the hidden work of the Holy Spirit that gives our words meaning and power and that produces changed hearts. So I want us to be released from any responsibility or heavy burden that you've ever felt from having to do evangelism, whatever heaviness that word may have for you. Instead, I want you to experience joy and freedom to participate and receive the God-given fruit of developing witness in your life. Now, the second thing I want to point out from these two scriptures is that witness is about Jesus. Now, the actual content of the gospel message is summarized here in a way that it isn't in the other gospels. Matthew and Mark don't say what to preach, but Luke specifically gives some content words here. The Messiah will suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. We are to bear witness to this content of the gospel. So if nothing else, as you think about witness, just think of pointing to Jesus. That's what witness is. Now the third observation I just want to point out, um, that again, is, it's similar to what we've talked about before, but witness is not dependent on our strength and ability. We aren't being witnesses or practicing this holy habit of witness by ourselves. The Holy Spirit is key here. In verse 49 of Luke 24, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then again in Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's the Lord, his Holy Spirit, that opens hearts and convicts. Our responsibility is to preach the gospel, is to share Jesus. We're not responsible for the results. Now, let me get back to Aaron's story for a minute, if you remember Aaron, the reluctant student leader. Now, these are his words about one of those evangelism nights that his InterVarsity chapter was having for his leaders. This is what he writes. On this particular night, I wasn't even planning on coming. Because I had a class nearby, I showed up planning to quickly stop by and say hi to all my friends and then leave before the group was sent out to share the gospel on campus. But God had a different plan for me. We read Romans 10, 9 to 15 together before going out, and the Holy Spirit convicted me to stay and participate. In Romans 10, 11, it says, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Remember, that was one of his fears. Although I knew this to be true, I had a hard time believing it. But on this night, I realized I had absolutely nothing to lose and only God to gain. So I went out, though I was still not expecting anything to happen. My friend and I talked to five students, and the first four spiritual surveys didn't go anywhere. These four students were very busy and wouldn't open up to us, just as I suspected. The second to last guy flat out rejected us, and we were returning to meet up with the others on a somber note. As we walked back, we saw a guy sitting by himself, juggling. We approached him, wanting to juggle with him, but as we were with him, we slowly ended up shifting our conversation toward the spiritual survey. As we got to know this guy, I was reminded of what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? 
and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? My friend and I both felt he was open to a leap of faith, and so we asked him if he wanted to follow Jesus, and he said yes. I was dumbfounded. I went out unexpecting, unbelieving, and I never thought anyone would come to faith, and especially not around me. But by God's great grace, he used me in my weakness to help lead someone to him. Now, I pray that God gives me more opportunities to bring others to him. And I hope that whoever you are, that this testimony helps encourage you to share your faith. Nothing is impossible for God. And when you step out of your comfort zone for his glory, he will use every second you spend working for him. Really grateful that Aaron wrote that down for us. So let me just summarize again for us. Why be a witness? First, this is a call. This is our call as disciples. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus' call to be a follower of him is not to come and I will make you a more religious person. It's not come and I will give you a quiet, risk-free, reflective life, although reflection is good. It's not come and follow me and I will make you work hard for your salvation, but it is come, follow me, and I will give your life purpose that brings you closer to me as you get to participate in my redemptive plan of the gospel going forth in this world. Second, why be a witness? Because being a witness brings us into intimacy with the Lord. We see this in Aaron's story. He started out as a reluctant and avoidant witness, but ended up on fire for the Lord because he stepped out and took a risk to share his faith. His prayer life changed. His desire for God changed. The experience drew him closer to Jesus and it revitalized his faith. And at the end of the story, reluctant Aaron is pleading with you, with me, to be a witness now too. He's a very different person than he was. Now the third reason to develop this holy habit of witness is simply because then we get to potentially see people around us come to know Jesus to come to be healed from life, life's wounds and to know him. Imagine what that would look like, to see people that you care deeply about come to know Jesus and follow him, to be healed by him. Now, I know that a lot of you have that burden. You care for many people and want them to know that, but it gets discouraging. So I just want to encourage you to keep those prayers going, to keep that hope that people that you care deeply about could come to know Jesus. Wherever you are, consider that the Lord has placed you there to be a witness. At your job, yes, we are there to complete our work, to do a good job, to make money, to live life, but also we're called to be witnesses to those around us. Maybe you came to Worcester to study at UMass or Clark or WPI. Consider that God also brought you here to be a witness to those around you. Wherever you are, whatever situation you find yourself in, it's not an accident that you are where you are or that you're around the people that you are. God has placed you in certain situations and around specific people 
that you are to be a witness to. Now, I want to talk briefly before we end about how to be a witness. I love being practical, and so I can't possibly leave you today without something practical. It was very simple. Two points. First, how to be a witness. Live a life that allows you to have a vibrant faith life. Develop these holy habits that we're talking about in this series so that you have fresh experiences with the Lord and have something to talk about with others. Live a life worthy of the Lord. If you don't continue to grow in your faith, you're not going to have anything to say. And then secondly, how to be a witness. Make a plan. Simple plan. Planners are all the rage now because research shows that if you don't make plans towards the goals that you have, you're actually not going to reach them. Goals are useless if you went out of a plan. So this isn't a huge strategy or anything like that. We're not relying on anything like that to do this work. But as I mentioned before, here's a simple plan. I work in campus ministry, and InterVarsity has what we call two-plus prayer cards. So I have one here. A couple images of them on the screen. Now, the purpose of these cards is to help students think through their networks on campus, give space to ask the Lord what two or three people, well, two, hence the two plus, that God might be leading them to witness to, to discern where these two friends might be in relationship with God. It's helpful to think like, oh, are they distant to God? Are they open to him? And to commit to praying for these two friends. It's very simple. So I'd love to take a minute to do one of these first steps that we do with students and just pray together that God would bring up two people, maybe even three, to mind for each of us to be witnesses to. So as the worship team comes up, I just invite you to pray with me for this. Lord, we thank you so much for gathering us here together. God, we thank you for... um, Thank you, God, that you call us to a big life. God, that you don't call us just to be a follower that just learns and grows, but that, we are, that you call us to an adventurous life on mission with you. So God, I thank you for that. And God, I just lift up each person here and however they feel in terms of, of mission and witness. God, I pray that you would release any burdens and that you would... Um, Bring joy instead to this idea of witness. God, we lift up to you any any feelings of failure that any of us may have, but God, we pray that you would write a new story and that you would help us to try again. So God, and I do thank you, Lord, um, for each of us here that you have placed, you placed people in our lives who were witnesses to us. God, we thank you for them. God, I just pray that you would help us each, wherever we are in our desire, to cultivate this holy habit. Help us each to take a next step. So right now, Lord, I just pray that you would bring to mind the names of one or two friends or co-workers or family members who you might be inviting us to be witnesses to. God, would you speak to us? So Lord, we, we thank you for these friends, these family, these co-workers that we care deeply about and that we know that you care deeply about them as well. God, we want good things for them. So God, now, even for myself, I pray the risky prayer that God, you would 
give us each opportunities to be witnesses to these friends who came to mind, this week even. God, thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. God, would you continue to grow us closer to you and help us to be able to express and share the story that you have given each of us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.